What's up, Sitwits? It's your host, Chris Chavez, here for a mini episode of the Sidious Mac Podcast. I said that I'd only release this episode if we hit 500 five-star reviews on iTunes, and you guys didn't let us down. It happened, and it happened pretty quick. So let me take a quick moment to explain this short episode. It's not your typical Sidious Mag pod because this was actually never intended to be a podcast. I was granted a chance at chatting with Elliot Kipchoge briefly because I was going to work on a story on him about his upbringing and his childhood. We know of Elliot as this world-class runner and arguably the greatest marathoner of all time. He burst onto the senior level as a surprising gold medal winner in the 5,000 meters at the 2003 World Championships in Paris. That's right, 18-year-old Elliot Kipchoge took down Hickam El Rouge and Kennedy Sabakele. Pretty wild stuff. Those two guys were in their prime. And ever since then, he's been in the public spotlight. So I tried asking him a couple questions about what it was like growing up in Kenya. And obviously, with this being over the phone, it wasn't the best way of chatting about it. To him, I was just a complete stranger on the other end of the line. So I'll help tell some of the story and I'll interject with Elliot's sound bites. Again, apologies for the quality. This wasn't intended to be a podcast, but we love you guys and figured you'd want to hear from the greatest marathoner of all time. So we'll start off with about a minute or so of Berlin chatter. And of course, I did try to get him to say legs are feeling good, but it didn't quite work. Perfect. Okay, Elliot. So you're in Kenya right now. How's everything going? So, legs are feeling good. Where are we right now in training uh, for Berlin? Training uh, As of right now, I guess, what is the main objective for Berlin this year? Everyone, every year we talk about the world record, and this year, I mean, it, you've been a little bit quieter about the world record. It's been more about PR, but the difference between your personal best and the world record is not so much. And the preparation for Berlin this year, is there anything different that you're doing? Uh, not really. Uh, I've been following the same program, same coach, same program, same training area. How easy is that for you to get into the same routine every summer, every fall? I love training and I love school, that's why it looks busy and it seems busy. So that was kind of the extent of our race talk for Berlin, but I guess we'll come back to it a little bit later. And I decided to ask Elliot, what was his earliest memory with running? Uh, I think my first memory of running is when I was in school and just running, normal running in school, but it was not really competitive. But uh, just yeah, the, the, you know, I call games time, so that's my memory is still there. That uh, I enjoyed the games time, I enjoyed running with other other kids. Yes. And then I told him how I've heard stories about Edward Cheserek, the famous Oregon runner, running some crazy mileage in Kenya to get to and from school. So I wondered if he used to have to do the same exact thing. Oh, uh, well, no, I am normally. Uh, run in the morning, back to lunch, to and so, and then in the evening. But uh, I know that uh, that can contribute to being an, 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 uh, a professional runner. I don't know you are running because you are really uh, uh, in school and you are really look uh, rushing for time. Elliot's right. At that point, you're not running because you think you're good at it or it's something 
that you can do professionally. You do it just out of necessity. So when he was a boy, what did he want to be? Uh, when I was little, I thought I could be uh, either a lawyer or a, or, or, or a manager in a certain company. And so when did all that change? When did he think he could start making running a profession? Uh, I can't describe it because I, I, I like, I, I, when I started running, I wanted to really go, go, go abroad and run a competitive and win some medals. But uh, I found myself that uh, uh, this sport can hand life. But uh, when I was starting, uh, I could train. I was not starting in that uh, I, I could hand a good life. From what I read online, Elliot grew up in a household with two older brothers and two older sisters. So I asked him, what sports did they play growing up? Oh, I could learn, um, normally, uh, uh, maybe playing some uh, football. And football was just a, a sport of the overall And as soon as he said football, which to us is soccer, it reminded me of a previous conversation that I had with Faisa Lalisa, the Ethiopian marathoner who finished second to Elliot at the Rio Olympics. Lalisa told me stories about how when he was growing up, he also loved soccer, but they didn't quite have the equipment necessary, so they would improvise with household items. I was curious if that was the same case for Elliot. You know, in Kenya, a long time ago, we had no poles, but to use a pole pin paper as a pole. So that's how, that's how life was. We met a pole through pole pin bags. In addition to being one of five siblings, Elliot never knew his father growing up. And to this day, he says he doesn't know how to describe him because he still knows so little. So as a little kid, he had to pick up a couple chores around the house. Fetching water from the river and taking care of, uh, of, cat, uh, of cows. That, that was my big job. Elliot told me how the river that he would regularly fetch water from was about two kilometers away from his home. He'd have a bucket that he'd carry to and from the river and house, and it sounds like that later trained him for a job that he'd had before he was a professional runner. In a story with the IAAF in 2005, it says that after graduating from secondary school in 1999, Kipchoge was paid to collect milk from villagers and sell it in Kapsabet. That's a round-trip journey of about 20 kilometers from his home, or nearly a half marathon. In some cases, he'd have to carry 75 liters of milk at once, and the IAAF reported that he was paid one Kenyan shilling per liter. That means for one of his heaviest trips, he earned 75 shillings, or the equivalent of one U.S. dollar. The story goes on to say that he carried enough milk for five months and bought himself a pair of shoes and sportswear before he decided that it was time to get serious about running. We all know how that worked out. He started racing more often, but still was falling short of making it to big meets or places that could get him some attention. Elliot was training alone and hopping in workouts with friends, but all of a sudden, everything changed in 2001. Elliot ran a 10K race in Capsabet and won. Patrick Sang, the 1992 steeplechase silver medalist, was in attendance. Kipchoge caught his eye, and the IAAF story says that Sang handed him a stopwatch after the race, and then shortly thereafter visited Kipchoge's home and decided to take him under his wing as an athlete. The rest is history. They're still together as athlete and coach, and Kipchoge became Kipchoge. Have one more turn to make. He'll see the finish line. 
he knows that this perhaps is his greatest victory it is certainly his greatest ever marathon performance he's got time to wait look how good he looks look how serene he is look how strong he is and look how quick he is Elliot Kipchoge the winner here in London last year a world champion on the track when he was just 18 years of age and here in 2016 he is heading for one of the fastest marathons of all time he's just missed the world record but for Elliot Kipchoge just outside 2003 one of the greatest races in history Elliot Kipchoge wins the London Marathon he cannot believe it Elliot's mother was a nursery teacher and he told me how they were lucky that she was able to work in the mornings and then spend most of the time with him at home. No, that time in Nazareth school was just from morning up to 12 o'clock. So the whole afternoon my mother was around. In fact, maybe his mother is probably the person that he splurged on the most. After he started winning, he decided to build her a house in Eldoret. If you've watched the National Geographic documentary on Breaking 2, or you've seen enough YouTube clips of Elliot and his training camp, it's a very simple lifestyle. And I've talked to Sidious Magazine Jason Suarez about it when he was out there on assignment for a photo shoot. He said that Elliot is this man who's earned millions of dollars in prize money and appearance fees, and even some more probably from his Nike contract, yet he lives a very simple lifestyle. What does he like about that? I think as far as I'm still living, I live a simple life. As far as I'm still on this, uh, this earth. It's a comfortable life, so I don't understand uh, 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 the high life and, uh, and, and simple life. So I, I like simple life. I don't understand the other, the other life. That's why I want to live a simple life. Last November, I got a chance to meet with Elliot while he was in New York. It was his first time in the Big Apple. And if you've listened to enough of these episodes, you know that I'm a New Yorker through and through. I need skyscrapers. I need the big lights. I need a place where things are open at 2 or 4 a.m. And I asked Elliot if he could ever live that lifestyle. <laughs> no, I go, it was a big accident to, to, to go to New York. He uh, said, you know, everybody's keeping it in Saranen, Abbott, Town. It was really another step in, in my life to, 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 to mingle with people and go around to our city. So as he laughs, I know I'll never have the chance to have Elliot as someone who I can go on a casual run with in Central Park. But he did chime in on someone who runs with him and the next generation. And so here's how that conversation took place. I guess the big question everyone has is, if you break the world record, why would you keep going? You, you've run the fastest with breaking two. You, you, you've won, you know, Olympic gold. You've won Berlin. You've won London. Why why keep going? Uh, it was that I love the sport and I want to leave a very actually uh, uh, good legacy in this world to the, 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 the next generation. And but I am still mm-hmm. going on and I'm doing Texas. The next generation. How does where what what where do you see Joffrey in that picture? As, uh, as the next one who can do wonders after I am when you practice and run with him right now does does he remind you of of anyone some people say he races like Sammy Wanjiru some people say he reminds them a lot of you 
What do you see when you see Joffrey training? Oh, I see him as, a, as the best theater inspired also of the younger generation. And w- w- what is the potential for, for him? Since I didn't ask him the final four questions that I usually ask all of my guests on this show, for fun, I decided that I wanted to tap into his brain a little bit, and I was curious, what was he reading at the time? And the answer kind of surprised me. Uh, I'm reading with a book for Roger Bannister, the past of the and the I'm reading now to learn how... What were his thoughts uh, as far as uh, the mind is concerned? And what was the uh, driving force for him to, to play a four-minute uh, uh, mind? So there you have it. A short mini-episode with the world's greatest marathoner. We probably overhyped it, but I hope you learned something new. And if you want some more Berlin chatter, I've got another podcast coming out shortly with Nick Roche and Scott Olberding, two of the members of the Jacuzzi Boys Athletic Club and their lofty goals for Berlin. We also share our thoughts on what we think Elliot is going to run on that show, so why don't you go ahead and just tune on into that one. But if you want to watch the race, tune into NBC Sports. Coverage begins at 3.15 a.m. Eastern Time. I'll be live tweeting the race if I'm awake, and if you want to sleep in, they'll re-air it on the Olympic Channel at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. But other than that, that does it for this episode of the podcast. I've been your host, Chris Chavez, wishing you some happy and healthy running. But also, remember... The legs are feeling good.